When I uh, was 18 years old, maybe, maybe I was around, yeah, I was about 18 and a half or whatever. I'd graduated high school, and I was part of a band, and we got, uh, some of you might not know this, but we got signed to a record label, and I moved from the Midwest to San Diego to pursue my musical dreams of being a white rapper in 1998. Uh, worked out great. And, uh, but anyway, I moved out to San Diego, and Immediately, I tried to find a church, and I, there was this vineyard church uh, that I went to, and it was actually pastored by this vineyard theologian uh, who was like really influential in our movement. Um, if you're new to the vineyard, the vineyard actually is a, an association of about 3,500 churches worldwide. And so the pastor of this church was like, like somebody who had read his books, I'd listened to, to uh, MP3 podcast things or CDs or tapes probably. And um, I went to his church, and the first Sunday I was there, it was, it was kind of near the beach. I parked and uh, went to the service, and the music was great and really, you know, kind of your typical church experience. Um, but then they had this, this time they called a testimony time. Anybody ever heard of testimony time or been in a church where they do testimonies? All right. So they had testimony time, and they just kind of opened it up randomly to anybody in the room uh, that could come up. And... And I noticed that three people in a row went up, and uh, I was super judging the way they looked. And I was like, man, these people are going to hell, probably. Um, and I was like, man. And, but they would go up, and they would share these testimonies, and their testimonies were just full of cussing. And I was like, oh my gosh, what do they, someone's going to have to do something about this. Like, these people can't do that. And they were, you know, like, they were just normal people with tattoos and, you know, their hair might be longer than we expect in church. And they started sharing and I was, I was just like, oh my gosh, blown away. And, but it was so, it was so transformative for me because I remember everybody in the room, all the churchy people were so supportive and encouraging of these people who were sharing how last week I was beepity beep on drugs and I found Jesus, and he's saving my beepity soul. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is amazing. This, this context where people are, are being able to like move forward in their relationship with Jesus one step at a time. Because if we're honest, like when we first come to faith, um, if you have a normal background and you didn't grow up in church, you might be a little rough around the edges. Fair? Yeah, anybody in the room willing to admit they're rough around the edges? All right. A lot of you. And then there's a lot of liars in the room too. Uh, but I, I just want to take a minute um, and just welcome you to the vineyard. As I said earlier, my name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, my wife and I and our five kids moved here eight years ago. We absolutely love this community. Um, and I want to say, you know, we're the kind of church that we do believe strongly that God loves everyone, that God wants to have a relationship with everyone, and that you can, in some ways, just relax and go at the pace that you need to go. Now, because it's uh, Baptism Sunday, uh, I am actually not going to do a normal uh, sermon this morning um, for 35 to 40 minutes. Um, but I do want to share a couple thoughts with you as we prepare to celebrate and witness people going public with their faith. Um, you know, we talked last week about how baptism is a public, uh, a public way of identifying our faith our lives with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's what baptism's about. So people today are doing that, and we get to celebrate it. And it's, I think, uh, at the Vineyard, it's our favorite Sunday. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's like the Super Bowl's okay, but Baptism Sunday, yeah. right? And so, you know, if you've been with us for the past month, uh, you'll know that we've been in a sermon series that we're calling Anchored to Sail. And 
what we've been doing is we've been spending time looking at certain ideas and certain practices that Christians have said for 2,000 years, these, these beliefs and these practices actually anchor our faith, and they help us overcome and move, move on in the midst of uh, struggles and um, you know, different things that we face, and they actually help us to be able to carry out our mission. Um, you know, we believe strongly that God's actually called every follower of Jesus to be a part of God's mission, that we're supposed to partner with God to help make a difference in this world. So we've been talking about that, and we talked about worship and baptism and communion, and we've talked about prayer, and we've talked about how fellowship are these, are these beliefs and these practices that help root us. They help us kind of stay going forward. And this morning, I quickly want us to look at a passage of scripture to help us, I think, appreciate a bit of God's grace, God's truth, and God's mercy this morning. Because every time I see baptisms, I don't know about you, but when I see people get baptized, I have to work really hard to hold it all together. Anybody in the room like that? Yeah, it's like, it's tough sometimes, right? And the reason why is because you're watching people, you know, publicly. I mean, it's such a risk, and it's such an act of obedience, and it's also... I don't know, it's humbling to say, yeah, I have a need for grace. Um, But grace is an amazing thing, isn't it? It is amazing. So let's read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5 here. These are, this is a story uh, about, the, about Jesus here, and we read in verse 27, later as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers, and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. And Father, I do ask for your Holy Spirit to continue to be at work right now and to help us, Lord, no matter where our our faith journey is at, whether we've been following Jesus for decades or if we're just trying to figure this stuff out right now that you would speak to us, that you would help us to see how this passage applies into our own lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. So it's interesting how many times in the Gospels, in the Gospels, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and then the best one, Luke, and then John, all right? Uh, And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written by four different individuals, and they basically tell the story of who Jesus is. They kind of outline Jesus' life from from his birth all the way to his resurrection. And it's interesting to me how many times in the Gospels, as you're reading each of the Gospels, it's interesting how many times Jesus is totally misunderstood. I mean, it happens all over the place. And what it's actually kind of encouraging because there's often times where his disciples, the ones who are like spending all their time with him, they're constantly getting it wrong, which makes me feel so good. It's not just me. <laughs> it's not just me. And it's interesting, though, how many times that happened. People have all these assumptions about God, and I think people have a lot of assumptions about Jesus. People have assumptions about church. People have assumptions about faith. People have assumptions about what it means to be spiritual or religious. All these assumptions are happening all over the place in the Gospels, and it's very fascinating to read. 
Because oftentimes, our assumptions are wrong, right? Many of our assumptions are wrong, especially when it comes to things about the kingdom of God, about Jesus, about grace, about the gospel, about the kingdom um, across the board. And so I think here's a perfect example. The religious people in Jesus' day, they assume that since Jesus was so, supposed to be this like really important spiritual leader, you know, they, they think he's this religious teacher and he's going all around the land of Israel and he's teaching about the kingdom. And so all the religious people see this and they assume that he shouldn't spend any time with sinners or with broken people or people who have challenges. Jesus shouldn't spend time with prostitutes. Jesus shouldn't spend time with criminals. Jesus shouldn't spend time with tax collectors. I've done a little bit of research. It's interesting. Tax collectors have always been hated through every culture across the world. It's very interesting, right? It doesn't matter. First century, second century, today. We don't like tax collectors. And so Jesus is not supposed to spend time with those type of people. That's the assumption at that time. And not only is he not supposed to spend time with a lot of these different people, specifically, Jesus shouldn't spend time with people who have questionable reputations. Questionable reputations. Those people should be avoided. Yet, and this is what I think is so beautiful about Scripture, is that, that as you look at the Gospels, we see that Jesus constantly spends time with people like that. He gets in trouble all the time because of people like that. And it's really encouraging, I think, to me. In fact, one of the reasons why I love Jesus is because Jesus is not shy about jacking up the hypocritical religious people. He has no problem with it, right? Like as you're reading the gospel, you're like, hey, man, he just lets them have it, right? I mean, there's a time where he's like, this is crazy. He's speaking to a bunch of Pharisees and he says, you brood of vipers. I feel like that's not a great way to start a religious conversation about your opposition, right? But he does that all the time. He does not shy away from calling out legalism hypocrisy. He doesn't, he, doesn't call, he doesn't shy away from calling out things or assumptions that were, that were actually causing people to not be able to move forward in their faith, to not move forward in their following of Jesus himself. He, he does things to, to undermine those, those, those ideas that were at work. And I love it. I mean, I love the fact that he's not afraid of calling out self-righteous uh, hypocrites. Um, and I think it's important for us to be honest right now and say that Jesus is still not afraid to call out our self-righteous hypocrisy. Amen? He's not afraid of that. And so in Luke 5, we can see a couple of things, I think, for us really quickly. We see that self-righteous religious people act in opposition of God's heart. I mean, like, this is so clear here. It, 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 we see that 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 self-righteous, hypocritical religious people who have all these expectations and assumptions and rules and regulations and want to impose those things on people regardless of where they're at in their journey or their process, Jesus is, is saying that's not helpful. He's actually totally saying that's not helpful to these, to these people. And, and I want to be really clear here. I think one of the things that we do when we read the Bible is we have this tendency to read stories of the Bible and we're always either the main character or we're the hero. Like I know some of you right now, you open up your Old Testament and you read the story of David and Goliath. And you're like, I'm David. 
I've got to face my giants. My boss at work is going down. <laughs> right? Or maybe you're married, you're like, he is a giant and I'm David and I shall sling this rock and murder him. We have this tendency where we read these stories as if we're the hero. But I think we have to read these stories and realize that oftentimes we're actually the hypocrite. The way that we interact with other people and we judge them or we assume things about their journey or their process or where they're at or whether or not they're, not, they're even able to go into the process of exploring faith and exploring what it looks like to follow Jesus I mean, that's a problem here, and I think Jesus really does a good job of demonstrating that to us. The second thing I think we can see is that Jesus is not afraid of people's negative reputations, and he is happy to spend time with broken people. The best part of the gospel. Yeah, half of the room is aware, half of you are maybe not aware, but we should all say, thank you. (laughs) Grace, oh my gosh, right? It's grace, and Jesus has no problem. In fact, I think it's very important for us to realize is that Jesus is not afraid of your reputation. He does not feel like your reputation is going to soil his good name. It works the opposite way. Jesus' name actually changes your reputation and transforms you by the power of the Spirit as you surrender your life to the gospel. It is the story of the, God, of the kingdom. And so I love that. He, just, he, has, no time, he has no problem Spending time with broken people. It's one of the reasons why I love Jesus. Jesus loves our enemies. Jesus loves the people that we hate. Amen? He does. And third, I think the third thing that that is really pretty amazing to me is that when people truly experience the mercy of God, I mean, when people experience the transformative work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, they can't help but tell everybody they know and say, come to the party. I want you to meet this person named Jesus. I mean, Levi is, you have to understand in this text, is he was at the bottom of society. I mean, tax collectors were, like, we don't like tax collectors now. In the ancient world, they were literally the enemy because they were considered sellouts. They were people in the culture who were selling out their family members. They were selling out their friends. They were doing everything they can to rob from the Jewish people. Totally not like today's tax collectors. All right. Just want to be very clear about that. But you have Levi experiencing grace as he's invited to leave everything behind and follow Jesus. And he does that. And then immediately what he does is, is he goes and says, hey, I want to throw a party I'm going to have my my friend Jesus be the guest of honor. I want you to come. I want you to meet him. I want you to experience the same thing that I've experienced. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's people in this church that function like that. And this is going to totally embarrass her. But Erin Hall is in the room somewhere. I think she's over there. Erin Hall, stand up and say hi. You're going to hate this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I've known Erin Hall for eight years. I feel like since I'm like her big brother, I can embarrass her. Erin Hall is that person. She's constantly inviting people to church, constantly inviting people that she knows that are going through things to be able to experience grace. That's what she does. She does it all the time. She says things like, I want you to have the same experience with God that I've had. And that's kind of what we see here in this passage. You know, our mission here at the Vineyard is to know Jesus and to make Jesus known. We, we've you know, said that over and over again. And the reason why that's our mission is because we believe that's God's mission. We believe that God actually has this church here for a reason to make a difference in people's lives, 
to help people to know Jesus. And this means that we prioritize reaching people who don't yet know Jesus. And one of our values, one of our values that that is so important to me is this idea of come as you are. No strings attached. Come as you are. Come and meet Jesus. He He wants to have a relationship with you. And we do that because we believe that God is at work in people's lives and that faith is a process. Faith is a journey. Faith is something that begins with a small yes to Jesus. And the more that you grow in your faith, you say more and more yeses to Jesus, right? Anybody in the room willing to admit that your faith journey was a journey and it's been a process? Yeah, because I know people in this room that would like to help point that out to you if you don't know that, okay? But anytime we say yes to God, we're taking a huge risk. And that's, this, that's Levi. I mean, Levi leaves everything behind. It's a discipleship principle there that when you begin to follow Jesus, what's happening is you're saying yes to Jesus and you're saying yes to his ways. And you're saying that I'm not going to put a no trespassing sign on any areas of my life now. I'm saying yes to you and I want to do what you want me to do. And, and that's one of the reasons why at the vineyard we have this saying that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Because starting your journey of faith is a risk. There's a total risk there. That's the faith aspect. And in a moment, we're going to watch as a number of people. We have 11 people. We have 12 people. We just had another person added. Don't clap yet. Whoa. This is not exciting. We have 12 people. Okay, now you can clap. 12 people are getting baptized. It's amazing. And, and what they're doing is they're, they're taking a step in their faith. They're taking another risk. They're taking a moment where they're saying yes to Jesus. Um, and as they do this, this, this act of baptism, what they're doing is they're publicly, in front of all of us, they are identifying themselves. They're saying, I belong to Jesus, and I am united to Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. And it's one of the most beautiful things that people can do. And if you are down and out, and here's the, the thing that I want everybody to hear this morning, is that if you are, you know, you consider yourself a never has been, or maybe you think you're a never will be, um, if you've made mistake after mistake, if you have found yourself addicted to alcohol or drugs, um, or maybe you're addicted to relationships, uh, food, possessions, maybe you've struggled struggle with anger or depression or unforgiveness, and these things have, have controlled you, and they've just been stuck. You're stuck. If you feel stuck, I want to let you know that God does want to be present in your life. He, he does want to be present in your life. And that Jesus demonstrates time and time again that he's not afraid of your of your baggage. He's not afraid of your, uh, your struggles. He's not afraid of your, uh, your reputation at all. Jesus, Jesus is fine with all of those things. What he wants is for you to come to him and to have a relationship with him. And I have found in my own life that despite still struggling at times and still feeling at times like I can't get over something or I have something in my mind or my heart that I'm, I'm like, man, I, gotta, I just got to, can't, I can't get over this. One of the greatest promises that we have in Scripture is from the book of Hebrews where the writer of Hebrews reminds us that God says, I will never leave you. I won't forsake you. I won't abandon you. He's always present with us. And so like Jesus... 
We want the vineyard to be a place where people can experience God's love and that no matter what your background is, you're welcome here. And so we're so grateful that you all have joined us today to support these people who have decided to make this decision uh, and gone public with it. So I'm going to ask all the baptismal people, the people who are getting baptized, we're going to have them come forward.